Welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Welcome on to yet another edition of the Kona Edge. My name is Brad Brown. If this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, thank you for your time today. I hope you're going to get lots out of this podcast. I've got uh, another amazing guest for you, someone who raced uh, on the Big Island in 2016. She's going to be joining us uh, a little bit later on in this podcast. But I want to get some housekeeping out of the way first up. There's some big changes uh, happening here at the Kona Edge. First of all, I haven't actually mentioned anything on the podcast about it, but we are smack bang in the middle of a website overhaul. So one of the things that uh, was really bugging me about our website, as much as it looked great, it was really, really slow. So uh, I have fixed those issues, which I am super, super chuffed about. But that means there are a lot more changes that need to be made. So uh, I'm in the process of switching everything across and it has to be done manually. We've published well over 300 podcasts and starting, and I've got to do each and every single one of them again. So uh, it is taking me forever, but uh, if you want to go check it out, the website to get to is thekonaedge.com. And uh, yeah, just potter around, have a have a look, and uh, let me know your thoughts. I think it's pretty, but uh, I am uh, sort of probably uh, got a vested interest in this. Uh, I like it. I hope you do too. So go check it out, thekonaedge.com. I'm also on a bit of a mission, just so you know. I love podcasts, and uh, I don't just listen to triathlon podcasts, funnily enough. I listen to a whole wide variety of stuff, and I'm on a mission to try and get people listening to podcasts, because let's be honest, and if my boss hears me saying this from my regular day job, I'll probably get fired, but there is so much rubbish on radio today. Like, I cannot even fathom listening to to radio, never mind uh, music radio. Like, gone are the days for me. Why must I listen to music someone else wants me to listen to? They're going to tell me what time it is and what the weather looks like outside. I've got a window and I have a watch. I don't need someone else to tell me what's going on. But enough of me on my soapbox. Uh, there's just so much negativity in this world and there's so much that you can learn and experiences you can find out about on podcasts. So I am on a mission to get as many people as I can listening to podcasts. It doesn't have to be triathlon podcasts. Uh, I'm going to be sharing a couple of triathlon podcasts with you because I, I think there are some fantastic ones out there. But uh, yeah, if uh, you listen to one or two podcasts, really, uh, turn your radio off, toss it out the window and go find a lot more. It doesn't matter what you're into. If you're into underwater basket weaving, uh, to me, it makes absolutely no sense listening to normal normal sort of uh, old school radio go find yourself a podcast and uh, you can uh, do something amazing in your spare time if you want to learn a new skill if you want to learn language if you want to build a business whatever you want to do uh, you can learn it on podcasts i am super super sold and uh, the podcast i wanted to tell you about today is a triathlon podcast it's one that i've been listening to for a while they specialize specifically uh, in swim training and i think what they do is amazing so if you haven't heard the tower 26 podcast yet jerry and jim they do a fantastic job they've got a, a great sort of uh, membership program as well that can really really up your swim game uh, go check it out i'll put the link in the show notes to this episode of uh of the cone edge as well but the website to get to is tower26.com go check it out okay and uh, yeah tell them i sent you i'd love to love to sort of hear what the the feedback is like let me know what you think of uh, the podcast get back to me and i'm gonna ask you another favor is if you find a podcast and it could be one of mine it could be anyone if you find a podcast that you listen to and you think you know what my mate joe would love this share it with him because the more people we get listening to podcasts the better it is for the industry the better quality podcast you get as a listener at the end of the day so uh yeah if you wouldn't uh, mind doing that it would uh, mean the world to me it might not make a difference uh, at the end of the day to my bottom line but it'll help another podcaster grow their audience and that's what we all want in the greater scheme of things more people listening to podcasts 
and consuming content that they actually care about. That's uh, the important bit. So we're introducing uh, a new feature on the podcast today as well. And uh, I'll jump straight into that. Before we get into our guest, who, by the way, is uh, someone by the name of Jen Kester. She is a machine and uh, almost fell into the sport by accident. But she's got a pretty cool story to share. And that's coming up next. Also, if you haven't left us a review or a rating on iTunes yet, if you wouldn't mind, uh, it is much appreciated. And we get some great feedback uh, on that uh, iTunes page. Like uh, from Craig, Craig23101 is uh, what he calls himself. He said, thank you very much, Brad. Long overdue for a podcast like this. Serves as a channel between top and pro, as well as the Weekend Warriors. Very informative and inspirational. Craig, thank you uh, for your message, leaving us five stars there. Don't forget, if you leave us a review as well, uh, you could win yourself an entry into an Ironman. If you want to find out more about that contest that we are running, just head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash win. Just a bit of an advisory on this edition of the Kona Edge, and I've been toying with the idea, Did I? do I bleep them out, do I leave them? I'm going to give you a heads up. If you are listening uh, to this podcast, there's a bit of swearing in today's uh, episode. So, uh, yeah, if you take offense, I'd uh, suggest tuning out now, but uh, I'm not going to edit it out. It is what it is. And, uh, yeah, just a, a, a warning. If you're listening with uh, young, impressionable ears, maybe this isn't the podcast to be listening uh, on the school run uh, in the mornings in the car. Jen, welcome onto the Kona Edge. Thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Jen, I'm, I'm super chuffed. I love, one thing I love about doing this is I just get to chat to, to cool people uh, around the world. I mean, we've got one thing in common, and that's our love for triathlon. And uh, it's amazing how, how quickly you can connect with someone who's, who's got the same sort of interests. I mean, we're on opposite ends of the world, and uh, it's triathlon that, that brings us all together, and that really, really fires me up. How long have you been involved in the sport, by the way? So this, I actually just finished my second season. So I started, oh, wow. my first race was Coeur in 2015. And then my most recent race was Kona 2016, 2017. Yeah. Gee, go big or go home. Yeah, right? <laughs> Got to start off with that win, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> what, what, what's, what, what's your sporting background? I mean, you obviously didn't wake up one day, get off the couch and go, I want to do this Ironman thing. What, where do you come from? What, what's the background? So as a kid, you know, you, I feel like your parents throw you into all the sports, like the little soccer leagues and all that. But the one that I really connected with the most was running, actually. And, you know, they start us in elementary in the States here right around fourth grade. So did that through eighth grade, did pretty well. And then high school just wanted to try something different because I kind of got burned out quickly on the sport. So I did swimming and water polo and hated it. <laughs> it was terrible. I just was so slow in the water. People, you know, like punching you under the water when you're playing polo. And I was tiny. So I'm getting thrown around by everyone just like wrong size for the sport i also tried volleyball too so obviously at 5-3 i'm not like blocking anyone at the net so just really <laughs> couldn't find a sport that like hit my size and then i went to college in los angeles and a lot of my friends in high school started rowing and everyone would be like oh you know you're so little you'd be great as a coxswain 
And I'm like, ah, oh, screw that. Like, that's just the lazy little son of the bitch that sits at the front of the boat. Shouts at people. Like, <laughs> yeah, just yelling. Like, well, that's not what I want to do. And so I just emailed the coach that one summer right before going into my freshman year of college and said, hey, you know, like, here's my mile time. These are all the sports I play, you know, water polo, volleyball, swimming, track and field. And she's like, yeah, no problem. I go to practice for the first day and, you know, she's doing a roll call because she's never seen those of us who walked on and my name gets called and I step up to the front and she's like, no, no, no. Like I, I want Jen Kester. And I go, yeah, you know, that's me. <laughs> and she literally just went, what the fuck? Like, I thought you run like a sub six mile and you're this <laughs> tiny little thing. Like get over there. Like you're a cox and not a rower. And there's that moment of like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> so I rode all four years and I was mainly a coxswain, but every now and then if we were short someone, I would just get tossed into a boat to race. No idea what I was doing. Um, so that was my sport background. And then it's actually funny because we got a new coach my sophomore year who came from Stanford University. And I remember the first time I met him, he had these one-on-one -on -one meetings with us in his office and he was from Slovakia. So like very intimidating accent like big six three built guy and I'm just like holy crap you're gonna kill me and I walk in his office and he had all these medals behind him like probably I don't know 15 to 20 medals in there Ironmans you know the North Face ultra running challenge marathon just everything you can think of and that was actually the first time I ever like heard of or saw the word Ironman was on all these medals and I'm like oh my god these are some nice looking medals and it was crazy and so he would always talk about training for them and he would work out with us because we did a lot of cross training so we'd get in the pool you know two times a week we'd do a lot of running and we would do um every now and then some like spin classes at the university like spin center and I think it was about two-thirds through my senior year of college he asked me, you know, hey, I need a new assistant coach. Would you want to join the team and like go from being an athlete to a coach? I went, are you kidding me? Like I'm going to get paid to work out? Like, yeah, I'll take the job. <laughs> and so I started working out with him. Oh, man, I got my ass kicked. Like we'd go on trail runs. I'd see him for maybe five minutes. And then he'd be like, okay, like I'm going to put my headphones in and he'd be gone. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, see you later. <laughs> Um, and so I didn't realize at the time he was actually training for the Arizona Ironman here in the States. And so fast forward a couple months after he competed, he just tells me, Hey Jen, you know, there's this like half Ironman distance race, just about two hours South of LA, you, you should go do it. And I'm thinking like, I just learned how to ride a road bike. I just got the clips. Like I was the person that if I saw a car coming and it's a red light, like I'd rather hit the car than stop and unclip my foot because I'm going to fall and make a fool of myself. And man, I did that first race. I did it by myself. No clue what I was doing. Like I just, I remember the swim just going like a bat out of hell the first half mile and then just being dead by the end of the swim thinking, holy crap, I have two more legs of the race to go. Like, this isn't happening. And I finished and I remember I got out and I'm looking at the results board because they had it posted right at the finish line. And I see my name and it says second place. And I'm like, oh, this is a rich joke. Like 
whoever is doing this job is getting fired because this is clearly a mistake. <laughs> and I go up and I check with them and they're like, oh, yeah, Jen Kester, like second in your age group. Yeah. And I was like, what? are you kidding me? And then that's when it all started. And so then from there, uh, he then his name's V. He convinced me to sign up and race a full Ironman probably about five months later in June. And that was the Coeur d'Alene Ironman in Idaho. And it was the same thing where it was like, okay, you know, the goal is just finish. You know, your goal is finish and best, best case scenario, you're aiming for, you know, a 14 hour finish time. And I'm like, okay, you know, if I finish, that's all I want. And it was same thing, crossed the finish line. And we road tripped actually from San Francisco to Coeur d'Alene. So it took us about three days of driving to get there. And so we're like, oh, you know, after the race, hop in the lake, rinse off a little bit. Let's drive a couple hours, just get going. And we're about 45 minutes into the drive home. And I finally think like, oh, maybe I should like look at my phone, let my mom know I'm alive. Like I finished the race, I'm good. And I have these texts from people and they go, oh my God, you won. And I'm thinking, what are these people on? Like, this isn't a funny joke. Like, that's not nice. And so I look at, you know, the little apps they have that give you the live results. And I look at it and I just remember going, holy shit, I won. Like, is this, what, is there a glitch in the system? Like, this can't be right. And I just remember looking at V telling him like, dude, I really won. Like, this isn't a joke. Look, and like shoving my phone in his face while we're on the highway. And he was like, okay, well, you know, you know how this works. And I go, no, I don't. I have no idea how any of this works. Like, what does that mean? He goes, well, you know, they have the bidding ceremony the next morning. So if you want to go to Hawaii, we have to turn around and go back to Coeur d'Alene. And I'm thinking, what are you, what's this bidding ceremony? Like, it sounds like some like cult thing that's going on here. And he was like, well, you know, you won your age group, so you can go to the world championships and, you know, you have to go and they call your name, they do a roll call and you get to go. And I remember that was like the biggest debate of like, one is this really happening? Like, I feel like I'm going to wake up because there's no way this is not a dream that this is real life. And he told me, he's like, you know, it's once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, glass half full kind of guy telling me, you know, you're never, you're probably never going to make it again. So you should just go this one time. I go, okay, yeah, you know, that's true. I'm never going to go. So I looked at my bank account and went, oh, this is going to be tight <laughs> and <laughs> turned back around and accepted that bid to Kona and I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that two years ago, that one race just completely, it did, you know, completely changed my life. And it's nuts now that it went from, you know, the goal of, okay, just finish. And that race where we said, you know, okay, best case scenario, 14 hours, you know, it's nothing to brag about, but I finished in, you know, I think it was 12 hours and 45 minutes. And it's just nuts that, you know, you go from that, okay, you know, just finish, just have fun with it to, okay, well, I got to qualify again. I got to win again. You know, I want to go pro. I want to do this. I want to get on this team. I want to go this fast. And it's just crazy. Never before have I had like anxiety of like, oh my God, I got to get home because I have a two hour spin tonight and I can't <laughs> skip a workout. And usually I'm like, ah, I'm going to watch TV and have a beer. You, and you, it's, it's just, it's nuts. Back then you, you thought it was a cult. Now you know it's a cult. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> The crazy thing is too, like working in collegiate athletics, I'm like, oh, you know, like 50% of coaches are in shape and majority of athletes are. And I'll never forget going into the Ironman village at Coeur d'Alene. I got so uncomfortable and nervous. I started laughing 
because everyone was insanely in shape, just like ripped men and women with their, you know, $10,000 bikes with the disc wheels. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I'm like fat to you people. Like, <laughs> this is insane. And it is, it totally is. It's like you, you get a taste of it and you just can't get away. And it's, it's crazy. And I used to think like, oh, people who do Ironman's like, something's wrong with them. Like who wants to go through that torture running in the heat and all that three legs, three disciplines, like it's nuts. And now I'm one of those people that's like, Oh wait, I can't go out tonight. You know, I got to train. I'd rather be on the spin bike by myself <laughs> watching, you know, some bad movie on Netflix than being social who's social nowadays. So it's, it's crazy. It just totally changes your life and who you are for the better, though. That's the cool thing. You've obviously got a competitive streak in you. Were you competitive as a kid? Have you got siblings? Uh, where, where did that come from? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I have an older sister. So I'm 24 years old. She's 28. And we were always competitive. Like you'd get, you know, we went to the same elementary school and same high schools and like report cards. It'd always be like, okay, like, I know she got a B in physics when she was a freshman. So I have to get an A because I have to beat her. It was always competitive with like good humor too. But, oh man, everything's a competition. Like who can eat the fastest? <laughs> it's everything. So yeah, definitely, definitely competitive. Like I'll be walking the dog and I'll see someone across the street from me and I'm like, my, do my dog's bigger. I, I win. I win. <laughs> as far as your, your first, now that you've done a couple, obviously the, the one in Idaho and, and Kona, do, would you, do you think you, if you could do it again, would you ease into the sport slower? Or, or do you think the way you did it, sort of just jump in head first and see what comes? Do you, are, you, are you glad you did it that way? Or do you wish you, you had built up slightly slower? I actually really like the way I did it, just like jumping into it because it's nice to go into it with no expectations because mm. it has no pressure to it and it made it fun. Like that first race starting, you know, with that smaller one over in Palm Springs doing that half that wasn't even an Ironman. It was called like the hits triathlon series. Like starting that it was super, super casual, like not many people just super easy going. And then going from that to the Ironman, I think, like I said, it's an advantage because, you don't have these high expectations of, well, you know, I've been a cyclist for eight years, so, you know, I should be killing it on the road. It's just, you know, ah, you know, I, I ran in middle school and we'll see how it goes. And if it goes great, awesome, you know, best case scenario is finish. And it's nice. And I think that if I eased into it, I would have had a lot more of like a mental struggle because I would have much more higher and like I think unrealistic expectations for my first race rather than just jumping into it and thinking, you know, just finish. And then when I realize once I get to that point in the race where I know I'm going to finish, then I can kind of start thinking about time because it just helps because I think with Ironman's, especially it's, it's definitely physical, like nothing else I've ever done, but it's at the same time, it's meant more mental than anything I've ever done. Like there's so much thinking, you know, when you're training, you can, you know, plug in a movie on the bike or you can, you know, put your iPod in on the run and you can zone out. But when you're racing, it's just you and yourself against the world, you know, and your mind can make or break you, I think, more so than your body if you're training for it. So I think it definitely helps just to go straight into it because it makes you, or at least for me, 
it had me go into it with so much more of like a positive mentality of no expectations. Like, Hey, if I fail, who cares? Mm -hmm. Like, this is just for fun. Where nowadays it's like, if I fail, like, you know, it's back to the drawing board and it's anxiety and rethinking everything. But yeah, I think jumping into it was great because it's, it's just a shock to the system, especially because the people in the sport, like it's not a sport you do when you don't want to do it. Like, you know, when you're a little kid and your mom shoves you into the soccer game, like most kids don't want to do it. They're just there because they're told to But with the Ironman, you know, you're paying a, you know what, for the full around like $800 just to enter and no one's paying that for you. So it just shows the, that people are so dedicated to it that the way I think Ironman athletes see it is like an investment in your health. It's kind of how I saw it at first is like, oh, okay, it's a lot of money, but I want to do it. And then it's also, I think like a bucket list thing for people too. But I don't know. I just think it's fun because you get there and it's unlike any other sport. So getting just thrown into it without any prior knowledge or experience, it's just cool. Cause it's a shock to the system. And like I said, everyone wants to be there. Most people are super positive. I remember my first race, like I probably looked like, you know, like a wet dog on the beach, just no idea what I'm doing, shaking and shivering, terrified. And people are coming up to you like, Hey, you know, this must be your first race. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I look that freaked out that, you know, that, and it was just, it's just so cool that people just, they like gravitate to each other and they're so positive and so nice. And I feel like, you know, especially in when I was rowing, like it's such a, I mean, it's a, getting a, to be bigger now, but it's such a small population of people that it's so political and it's so cutthroat. And I remember, you know, like, I'm not going to help the other girl fighting for my position. Like I'm going to try and take her out. Whereas with Iron Man, everyone's like, oh, like, let me help you. Like you might beat me. We're in the same age group, but let me help you. Mm. And that was just something that being thrown into that mix. It was just like a shock of positivity, I think is kind of the way it felt to me. But if I would do it all over again, I would do it the same way. Just get thrown to the wolves and see what happens. You've, you've obviously tried lots of sports. Like you said, growing up, you did pretty much everything. Do you think you've, you found your place? Is this, is this it or is it, this is it for now? And maybe something else comes along later. That's a good question. I actually think about that a lot. And after that first race, I kind of had this feeling of relief where it was, I finally found my sport. Like I finally, I finally found something that I feel I can, you know, succeed in that, you know, with rowing, it was nice. I felt that way about rowing for a bit of, you know, like, oh, I'm this little teeny tiny person with a big voice. So being a coxswain, like for my body and my personality, like it works great. But I always, there was that physical part of the sport that was missing, that other side of the competition that's outside of the mental. And with the Ironman, like you are truly an athlete, you know, you're doing three disciplines for God knows how long it's going to take to finish. And it's just that feeling of, okay, you know, I, I, I found my sport and now I'm looking at it is how can I make it more my life? How can I take it from doing this with a full-time job? to setting myself up where I can just do triathlons and Ironmans where I can potentially maybe be a professional. And if not, well then, you know, I'll keep doing it. But the goal at the end of the day is to make it to that next level. So I definitely think I'm here to stay, hopefully knock on wood, <laughs> but we'll see. What, what are you struggling with around the sport at the moment? What are you, what are you grappling with? 
Oh man. I think for me, the hardest part is the swimming just because I was, Oh God, in high school, such a slow swimmer. Oh, I was terrible. I was a mess. And then it just, I feel like too, when you're racing for me, at least there's such an anxiety when you're sitting on the beach and you have the wetsuit on and you just feel like it's suffocating you and you're waiting for that cannon to go off. And the way I look at the swim is just get out of the water. Like I know once I'm out of the water, I can finish the race and I can do okay. But that swim for me is kind of the make or break and I'll have good, you know, a good race for me is, you know, finishing in about, you know, an hour and 10 to 15 minutes. Whereas I think the first time I was in Hawaii, like I had a full on panic attack in the water. Like, cause you know, in Kona, it's not where you can seed yourself kind of in the time where you want to finish, but it's just, you know, you've got hundreds and hundreds of women just sitting, waiting in the water and one cannon and everyone's off. And that was, oh, I would say like worst experience ever. <laughs> just the anxiety and the swim and you're sitting in the water and everyone's freaking out. No one's talking to each other. And just, you know, you go and you're in just this massive crazy. And I remember, you know, you get kicked, my goggles came off and it was just craziness from there. So I think for me, definitely trying to get faster, which I've noticed lately I have been because all my swims, it's more, I view the swim more as like active recovery when I have it. And I definitely have a few like speed workouts every now and then, but it's a lot more like long, steady, like swim a 5k, just go with how the body feels. And over the past year, like the body feels the same, but the times are getting quicker, which is nice. And then, but it's, you know, it's a different beast to tackle when you're out in the open water with, you know, potentially a thousand other people and you're in that wetsuit. So still trying to buckle down on the swim. So we'll see how that goes this year. The water polo didn't set you up for, for success in, in those uh, mass open water starts. I wish it would, but I'm such a weenie. I'm like, oh, you want to go ahead, go ahead. Not like, oh, I'll make room. I love it. Jen, as far as... I just get run over like, oh, man. I remember in Kona. Go for it in Kona? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I remember in Kona thinking like, you know, this is going to help. You know, I, I'm used to getting kicked in the water by people. I can handle it. Water polo helped me and man, I was like, yo, you want to, you want to go? No, you, you go ahead, you go ahead. And people swimming over me. And I'm just like, well, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the, the, the sort of balancing and, and getting that juggling right of, of living life, you, you mentioned uh, that gone are the days of uh, you want to go and have a beer. It's now you've got to leave early because you need to be up at uh, whatever time to, to go for a run or, or for a cycle. How do you get that balance right? It, it's, it's something I think all triathletes struggle with and, well, what have you got any strategies to 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 get that in balance, or is is getting unbalanced just part of the part of the deal? I think it's just something that takes time to figure out. Like when I was coaching, it was so simple because I was lucky where my boss was my coach for triathlon, so my work schedule was made around it. And then when I left coaching and kind of went for that, you know nine to 10 hour a day office job, it was a completely different beast because, you know, you're waking up early to get to work. And then by the time, you know, I get home, it's around seven 30 and I'm just beat. And it took me about six months to figure out 
how to balance it and get all the workouts done and get it done right. And I think what finally kind of gave me the kick in the ass I needed was doing a brick workout one weekend. You know, I think it was like a 45 minute bike to a 45 minute run and brick workouts are one of my favorites. Cause it's just pedal to the metal, just go for it. And the bike was good and the run I just struggled on. And it was that kind of slap in the face by reality of, you know, I'm, I'm not giving it my all. And that's why I'm struggling on this run. Whereas a year ago I would be doing so much better. And it was that feeling of, you know, this sport, what you put into it to the most, like to some extent is what you'll get out of it. And I realized, you know, I'm not, I have this goal of, you know, I want to go back to the world championship, but I'm just, I see all these excuses of, oh, you know, it's late and, you know, it's eight o'clock and I want to be in bed by nine. So I'm just, I'm just going to go to bed and maybe I'll wake up in the morning and do my workout. Probably not. And I just realized, you know, like I, I got to commit and it's, I commit now or it's going to be really ugly at my next race. And I don't want to have that ugly race where I think, you know, well, like one thing I hate is I never want to look back and say, well, if, if I did this, it would have been better. You know, like if I committed. So that was kind of the kick in the butt I needed. And, you know, there's definitely times where I'll be driving home and I'm just thinking like, God, you know, I've got to run. It's a two hour run. It's dark. I'm going to have to do it on a treadmill. Like, I don't want to do this. But then I just think back to, well, remember that one time I tried to run and it should have been easy. And I was like wheezing. Like, yeah, let's not go back there. So it, it took time. You know, it took six months to figure it out. And I think a big part of it, too, is the motivation. And it goes all back to this sport being so mental of that, you know, you can be in good shape, but you have to have that mental stability, that mental strength to keep you going. And it took me six months to find it with a new job, but I finally found it. And I think it's definitely still a struggle from time to time, like I said, but just trying to keep going. And a huge thing too, is, you know, following some professional athletes on, you know, Instagram, social media, and seeing how hard they're working. And I look at it as that's my end goal. Like that's the dream. That's the fantasy is to be that person. And I'm not going to be that person if I'm slacking off, you know, you, you, like I said, you get into it or you get out of it, what you put into it. And I know now I've got to go hundred percent or nothing. We've got a lot of sort of novice triathletes who are possibly training for their first half or, or their first full Ironman that listen to the podcast. What advice would you give to an out-and-out newbie getting into the sport and, and wanting to kick on and, and, and do an Ironman and possibly go and qualify for Kona? Yeah, I would say the advice is start off just having fun. Start off with that goal of I'm going to finish I'm going to get that data from that first race and then I'm going to go from there. I think it's just putting too much pressure on to say, you know, I want to win my first race and I want to go to Kona my first year because it's rare. And I think a lot of it does come down to luck of, you know, who's in the field against you, what the weather's going to be like, what's the course going to be like, you know, hopefully you're not going to have a flat tire or, you know, a bad cramp on the run. So I would say just look into your first races. This is the test run. This is literally just the trial of have fun, make the goal finish, and then later look back and say, okay, you know, this is where you can evaluate your race, but just have fun and look at it as something to accomplish, not something to defeat would be my advice. 
if we had this conversation in 20 years from now and you look back at your triathlon career, what, what do you want to achieve? What is the ultimate goal? If, if I can wave my magic wand, I don't have one. Don't get, don't get your hopes up. But if I could wave my magic wand, what, what would you want to have achieved? Oh, man. If you had that magic wand, I would say that 20 years from now, I would want to be still on the team that I'm on. I'm on a, the Wadi Inc. team as an age grouper but I would want to be a professional. I'd want to be racing next to, you know, Heather Jackson, Daniela Reef, those guys. And I'd want them to know my name and I wouldn't want, you know, the reputation of, Oh, you know, she's, she's amazing. She's great. But just that I'm there, that I'm racing them, that I'm putting my best effort out and that I made it to that step of going to Kona as a professional and, you know, hopefully finishing as a top 10 female in the world, that would be, I mean, if you had a magic wand, I mean, let's make it happen. Let's get that going, (laughs) but we'll see. But that's, you know, that's the goal, you know, 20 years from now, you know, hopefully I'm married with kids and I want to tell them like, Hey, you know, I, I do Ironmans. Like I'm, I'm a professional. I got top 10 in Kona at the age of whatever. And all these professionals, you know, you've got these guys or these women that, you know, they're the Steph Curry and the Kobe Bryant of basketball, but they're just in a less known sport. And to be able to race alongside them and to say that I competed at their level would be a dream come true. I mean, you've mentioned some names. Who do you really look up to in, in the sport? Who, who do you think is just phenomenal? Uh, I definitely am a huge fan of Heather Jackson because she started off a little similar. I think she was, you know, in her early twenties, like I was, you know, just kind of qualified and she won, I believe her age group, her first time in Kona, which is insane and light years above, you know, where I'm at, but it's just cool to see that it's a sport where someone can go into it with little to no experience. And, you know, in what, maybe seven to 10 years come out, as the first American in a long time to hit the podium and get third place. Like just the work ethic that she seems to have is something that I admire and hope that I one day can have as well. Your season for, for the rest of, of this year, it's still fairly early on in 2017 as this has been published. What's, what's next on the cards for, for uh, Jen Kester? Oh man. So right now the big race that I'm doing is going to be the uh, full Ironman distance in Santa Rosa. It's kind of up in like the Napa area and I'm trying to get into, I think, so that one's July 29th. And then in June, they have the half there in Santa Rosa. So I really want to do that half just to kind of not as much from like a competition standpoint, but just do it to get an idea of the course. Cause I want to set myself up for Santa Rosa. Cause now I'm in, you know, before the last two years I was competing in the 18 to 24 year old age group. And now I'm in that next tier up, which is, uh, I don't even want to think about how many women there are that are faster than me. So, I mean, the goal is the same. The goal is, you know, now I think I can finish top three to qualify. So the goal is, you know, finish top three, go back to Kona. So I just want to set myself up as much as I can probably throw in maybe like just to keep things different, a couple, maybe like 30, 35 K trail races, just for something different and kind of keep that mentality of, okay, you know, it's a race focus on the mental aspect, but yeah, the main thing this year is going to be July 29th, Ironman Santa Rosa. 
we'll see if it gets me to where I want to go. Brilliant. Well, Jen, thank you so much for your time on this edition of the Cone Edge. Looking forward to getting you back on to talk about your swim, your bike, and your run. But we'll save that for another day. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Thank you. Well, the new feature I wanted to tell you a little bit about, and we're going to be bringing them in quite regularly, is if you're a coach or if you have a coaching business, I get approached tons by coaches asking if they can get on the podcast. And so I've pretty much said, uh, if you've raced in Kona, I'll get you on. If not, I can't help. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a coach's corner. I'm not a coach. Uh, I love chatting to different coaches, and I'm just going to put it out there. So if you're a coach or you have a coaching business, you want to check this out, okay? Head over to theconaedge.com forward slash coaching. Uh, you can be part of helping keep the Kona Edge alive and keeping the lights on, but also getting your message out there to various sort uh, uh, of triathletes uh, around the globe. So uh, I'm going to be featuring a coach today. It's a guy by the name of Lindsay Parry. He's been the high-performance coach for Triathlon South Africa. He was actually one of our speakers at uh, the IM Summit that we did in 2016. A phenomenal, phenomenal coach. He was part of Team South Africa uh, that went to the London and Rio Olympic Games. He was uh, the coach for that team. Uh, obviously, Team South Africa coming away with a bronze there. He was also uh, the coach for the Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh where Team South Africa won a silver in the team triathlon. So he's got unbelievable pedigree. He's also a fantastic running coach. Uh, if you know anything about running in South Africa, he has coached the last two ladies winners uh, of the Comrades Marathon here in South Africa. He's also uh, the coach of uh, an Olympic marathoner by the name of Yvette van Sale. She's been unbeaten uh, in South Africa, I think, for the last two years, if memory serves me correctly. But he is one of the most phenomenal triathlon coaches you'll ever, ever meet. He's also the coach of a young guy by the name of Vian Sulvalt, who did pretty well uh, in the last round of the WTS. He's an under-23 world champion under, uh, under Lindsay's wing. If you want to find out more about uh, what Lindsay does from a coaching perspective, and I can tell you he doesn't just work with elite athletes, he works with age groupers and gets some phenomenal, phenomenal results. Okay, uh, All you need to do is head over to theconaedge.com forward slash coaching and you can click straight through uh, to Lindsay's website and find out more about him there. So that's uh, theconaedge.com forward slash coaching. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Edge.